This is Bet MGM tonight. Join us for live sweats. Yes. Let's go, Kansas State. That was a big balls three. Three minutes ago. Big balls three. Instant reaction. This is an unbelievable thing for me to see. My favorite team, my true favorite team. Less mistress, more side piece. And maybe a few regrettable decisions. Oh, he's got bust written all over him. Gutekind sucks. Jordan Edison ran a 5-3-40, and he's Tristis height. I'd take him. You know you shouldn't have done? Bet on the Wizards. Yep. Now, live from Washington, D.C., it's Ryan Horvath, Trista Crick, and Nick Ashew. Trista, Nick tonight, Tennessee now, 73-72 on Auburn, 7 4 to go in the second quarter. That, we got a 60-75 lead now for the Pacers over the Pelicans. Mavs with an 81-79 lead in the early, midway through the third quarter uh, over the Raptors. Timberwolves down 46-44 to the Grizzlies. Grizzlies, or uh, Cavs with a one-point lead, 49-48 over the Bulls. Got Kings, Nuggets just about to tip. Next hour, you got the Lakers and Clippers. The Battle of L.A. where the Clippers are sort of the home. It doesn't even matter in that who's the home team. It's like you're the home team, but you're not the home team, but you're the Lakers, and really you're always the home team because the Lake, no matter what, it does, like, the Clippers are, you said something earlier, Trista, where you said like, the, you know, you said the Clippers were a sexy team and you're like, it kind of like they are, but they aren't. The funny thing is that no matter how successful that team is, the Lakers will always still be the bigger draw and the bigger brand in Los Angeles, even with the Clippers being the better organization and the better product on the court now. Yeah, I mean, I think that's what happens when they're storied, a storied franchise and they've won so much. Their brand name and the the actual value of the Laker banner means a lot more than the Clippers, who, let's be honest, was just wrecked with a terrible owner in Donald Sterling for many years. Mm-hmm. So I think that has to do with it. Same thing goes with the Nets. The Nets will never surpass the Knicks, even when it was Kyrie, James Harden, and Kevin Durant. They were barely even talked about in the city of New York. Barely at all. It was almost like they did not exist. Whereas if they were on the Knicks, if KD, Kyrie, and Harden were on the Knicks, I mean, it would be it would be the only thing that anyone would ever talk about. It felt like for a while when the Nets moved to Brooklyn, they obviously went out and, you know, you had the Garnett, Paul Pierce trade, and you did, like, obviously they were trying when they had that Russian owner for a while that was there that, you know, they were trying to make them relevant in New York, and I get that. But then it felt like players were also trying to do with Kyrie going there with Durant. It's like everybody tried to push and make that work, and it just never did. But at the same time, as a Knicks fan, I get why these players didn't want to go to the Knicks for the longest time. Now things look like they're well-run. Leon Rose seems to know what he's doing, and hopefully James Dolan's out of the picture and maybe fully out of the picture at some point. There's obviously things going on behind the scenes there. But it just felt like there was always this... We want to make the Nets relevant. We want to make the Nets relevant, and it's not happening. But the Clippers, at least, are a respectable team, and they've been able to get stars there. And when they're healthy, I mean, they are winning games. That's This is a very good team this year now. Yeah, they figured out a way with Ty Lue. Everything changed when the Lakers couldn't get Ty Lue and the Clippers snagged him. That was pretty much the inflection point there on both those franchises. Now the Lakers are on their now third coach. Third coach, it was Luke Walton. And then it was um, Frank Vogel, and now it's Darvin Ham. He'll probably be fired by the end of the year as well. They'll be on their fourth coach. And Ty Lue continues to be one of the best in the business. So, yeah, they're building something there. If they win a championship, it still will change nothing. But it will make the Clipper experiment 
worthwhile for what they were trying to do, which was trade all those picks and Shea Gilgis Alexander for for Kawhi Leonard and Paul George George to be together. Could you think of anything? Because I don't know if I can, other than a ton of time, that could actually put the Clippers ahead of the Lakers as a brand. And I'm thinking like 20 years bare minimum of them playing this way and the Lakers not being a playoff team or like a fringe play-in team. I feel like that's even that would be tough given that brand and the success the Lakers have had. Jeannie Buss would have to sell the team to one of the worst people in life. And then the Clippers would have to win like four straight. The Clippers would have to become the Golden State Warriors in order for that to happen. And there would have to be multiple like eras of that too, you know, because it couldn't just be yes. a five or six year stretch. It would have to be like one and then another. They'd almost have to have like the longevity of the Patriots. Really, that's what it would take. I yes. think if the Clippers had the longevity and the success of the Patriots while the Lakers were literally sold to a horrible owner and in the basement for two decades, that's when the Clippers surpass them. And that just shows you like branding matters. And this is why like when we look at teams and they talk about off seasons that they're having and it, it what the decisions are that they make and who gets drafted, same thing in the NFL. It's the decisions that are made in free agency in the NFL or the NBA and the draft are about what you need on your roster, but it's also, if there's an opportunity, it involves branding, it involves getting butts in seats and getting yourself somebody that can be, not even the face of the franchise, but somebody that will be a fan favorite. Whatever, like all these decisions are made because of that too. It goes far beyond just X's and O's. Oh yeah, I mean, so much of it is just the feeling from the fan base, right? If you don't have a fan base that's connected to the team, then you're not gonna be able to build anything at all. I mean, it's no matter what the Lakers do, no matter. And that, but listen, I mean, in the end, they still get LeBron there at the end of the career, at end of his career. And this was a team that was missing the playoffs for years. So that was just an example as much of it is was for that. So all right, speaking of the offseason, when it comes to the NFL, you know, free agencies, this is going to be another interest. No, Scott, not Bronny. You get out of here. We're not. Bronny is not. Well, Bronny probably will be a Laker. He just he won't get drafted. They'll just sign him as a free agent. LeBron, who do you want? Yeah, I get it. Put your little smiley face in there. It's not going to be Bronny. Uh, so, yeah, like, I feel like this offseason, Trista, in the NFL is it's, – it's, it's very deep in terms of guys that maybe aren't at the peak of their career, right? But you know that they can contribute to a winner. And I'm talking about, like, a Mike Evans. Tony Pollard in the right situation, not as a lead back, could still be a very good running back for teams. Derrick Henry's past his prime, but could still contribute to a team that has some younger running backs that are different. Uh, Calvin Ridley is another one. Like, there's a bunch of these the, bunch of these guys where when you look at it, you say, they've got a real high boom factor there in the right situation, but there's also a really high bust factor too. Derrick Henry, to me, would be one of the top ones that would be on that list for me, where you're not going to get 25 carries, 20 carries from him anymore. But Derrick Henry on a team where he's getting 10, some goal line situations, and you got some backs that are going to change, just change the dynamic of the offense in other ways, would be a great spot for him. Like, that's the type of situation where it could be. But he's got to be in the right spot, you know what I mean? I feel like there's a bunch of those guys this offseason that really fit into that category. Yeah, and if you look at a team like Baltimore with Derrick Henry, that's, a, I think, a mm -hmm. match made in, in heaven for him. But I wanted to see when Keaton Mitchell was slated to come back because he had surgery on 
December 30th. Is that right? Yeah. yeah. December 30th. So you're talking yeah, about he's not he's probably not going to be back until mid-season at least. So you should probably get keep Gus Edwards and maybe Derrick Henry as a change of pace sort of like you said goal line back. Derrick Henry to me feels also like a good cowboy. They need somebody that can yep. run in between the tackles. Derrick Henry can still go. He can still cause havoc and wreckage mm-hmm. and it's he's a very hard guy just simply because of his size to take down so Dallas kind of needs that especially if they're moving on for Tony Pollard I am also interested in Calvin Ridley Calvin Ridley was a big disappointment in Jacksonville but I think Calvin Ridley on a team like Kansas City would absolutely be a perfect fit perfect fit for Pat Mahomes perfect fit for Calvin Ridley he has a full off season to get back in the swing of things because Remember, he came back to the team late due to his suspension Yep. Um, for all that gambling that he was doing on not his own team. And so with a full season with Pat Mahomes, it feels like Calvin Ridley could, could easily have an 1,000-yard season. I mean, I think we know that the Chiefs are going to be aggressive this offseason when it comes to upgrading that receiver room. Some of it's going to be in the draft and a really, really deep draft when it comes to free uh, wide receivers. But yeah, whether it's a Calvin Ridley or a Mike Evans there in Kansas City, it just feels like one of these free agent wide receivers is going to end up in Kansas City. There's just no way that they don't bring at least one in while also getting younger and having those guys on rookie scale contracts, which we know they would love to do. It's funny you mentioned the Cowboys and Ravens for Derrick Henry on the other side of that. So for Calvin Ridley first, the favorite is actually going back to the Falcons at 2-1 to one right now. Then it's the Chiefs at 5-1, to one, and then the Jets at 7-1 to one with the Bills at 8-1. to one. Derrick Henry, Ravens, the favorite right now, 2-1. to one. Dallas Cowboys are 5-1 to one along with the Eagles, and then Houston's at 7-1. to one. If Let's say that your Cowboys brought back Tony Pollard but also sign Derrick Henry. We know they're going to draft somebody. There's a guarantee they draft a running back at some point. Would you be happy with that backfield? It would depend on who they drafted and when, mm-hmm. but probably not. I think there needs to be some fresher legs. Tony Pollard was good. Obviously, he came back from that really disastrous injury from the playoffs against the Niners. So yeah. I don't feel like he really had as much pop this year as we expected him, and maybe it had to do with his role. But two guys, one that's on the back half of his career, probably back third of his career, at, and that's being generous, and someone who's a year and change removed from coming back from injury? No, I don't think I'd be particularly excited about that. Tell you what. Be okay, but not, would, not yeah. the best. Yeah, I, I mean, it, again, some of it comes down to price too, right? If you get Derrick Henry on, let's say, like a one-year – like uh, a – you know, one year, six or seven million dollar deal. I, I mean, again, I don't want to see that happen. I don't want to see the Cowboys get better, but I think I just think Derrick Henry has still has something left in the tank, even with all the carries, even with all the hits he's taken over the years. It just feels like there's still something there in that right situation. But God, going to like Calvin Ridley because that's been like those are the two that I feel like you and I both have looked at and said like, oh yeah. Big time, right situation, big boom that's still there. Calvin Ridley, obviously younger versus a Derrick Henry, a little more, you know, a little more tread worn off the tires. Imagine Calvin Ridley, though, and going back to the Falcons, looking at two to one as the favorite right now, because Chiefs obviously make sense. But you add Calvin Ridley to those young pass catchers that you have, both at tight end, wide receiver, and what's looking more and more likely, Justin Fields, being their starting quarterback. 
That's all the weapons fields needs, not to mention all of the talent you have in the backfield, their ability to run the football. We may, we talked about the, the 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 Falcons win total and what it, you know, could it be nine and a half, could it be ten and a half, depending on what you know they address defensively. Hell, you bring in Calvin Ridley with all of that, you address a couple of needs on defense, we might be looking at eleven and a half for a win total for them next year. No, you're hundred percent right. You're they are so close to being dominant, not dominant, but like they have a lot of pieces where you feel like they're they're a quarterback away and maybe one more skill position player away. I feel like we've been in that with the Falcons for like you started to hear the 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 ground swell for they're a close team two seasons ago. And then we came into yeah. this year, and then it was like, well, they don't really need a running back, but you hear Bijan Robinson might be the guy, which, by the way, I think was a great addition. I, I think that still to this day, drafting Bijan where they did, I have no problems with it whatsoever. But, you know, if they go out and get themselves maybe one more edge rusher, you know, you make sure that your, your secondary short up a little bit there, that's a team that is vastly improved in a division that's absolutely wide open because the Panthers are a complete mess. Have no idea what's going to happen with the Bucks. They're probably going to re-sign Baker Mayfield, who also would fall into that boomer bust category. I think he probably stays there, even though he's going to have a different offensive coordinator the season that he had, unless there's another team that comes in, offers more money, and he feels comfortable in that system. But, you know, for Baker, I feel like that's a guy that really wants to have some continuity. And he played well. He played well for Tampa last year. But you still don't know what's going on with the Bucs. They feel like a team that's still in transition. The Saints have been in cap hell and are in cap hell forever. Complete disappointment last year. The D Defense even took a step back versus being a top five two years ago. Derek Carr is what he is at this point. And you look around going, like, what are the Saints? What's your plan? Where are you going to be? It just feels like a division no that the Falcons can not just take. Yeah, they have no plan, really. Like, it, it feels like the Falcons are a team right now that if they were to have a strong offseason, including figuring out the quarterback situation, you do the right things in the draft and, you know, get a little more on that defense. That's not just their division to win this coming season, but it's season's to come like multiple seasons moving forward they're right there on that cusp yeah i i think you're 100 percent right i don't trust anything that the saints are doing defensively no. they get by on that and that alone but offensively i just can't see it michael thomas hasn't been healthy in i don't even know how long alvin Kamara. Had an okay year, but again, he started the year, the year later, and I think, what, he missed the first four games? Six games? It was not mm -hmm. good. And ultimately, the offense is a mess, and they really don't have any ability to do anything about it. I mean, there's a bunch. You know, you know I even forgot about, too. Michael Pittman, that's a younger receiver out there. Like, that's not even yes. somebody that we're looking at that's kind of that wrong side of 30 or close to 30. I mean, that's a younger receiver with an opportunity out there. The Titans are the favorites at 4-1 to one there. But you got the Cardinals at 6-1, to one, the Chiefs at 6-1. to one. Imagine, imagine if you're the Chiefs. You sign Michael Pittman, you get Calvin Ridley, or let's say even Mike Evans. It's a, it's, a, it's a smaller contract, veteran, so you don't have to necessarily pay him as much shorter deal. Michael Pittman gets a little bit more. Then you draft a couple of receivers on top of that. Woo! The Chiefs' offense is yeah. unstoppable for the next five years. No doubt. They say they're going to use a franchise tag on them, but maybe next year. Yeah. Well, you know, we say that. We say that, but then we'll see. Maybe they – or actually, I guess they probably did probably do that. So you can still trade, though. You can still get let a guy go. You can go somewhere lying. else. It's lying season. Exactly. That MGM tonight, too.
Let the conversation continue with BetMGM tonight on the BetQL Network, presented by BetMGM. Mavs starting to pull away from the Raptors now. 106-92 at the end of the third quarter. It's a game of runs, Trista. Game of runs. Luka's got 25, uh, 14 assists, 9 rebounds. He was close to a triple-double last night. It's his birthday, so you got to let him score. Uh, Kyrie's got 14 points, just one of two from three right now. And you got 13 over there for Scotty Barnes. Emmanuel Quickly's four of eight from three, 17 points. But you now have seen this third quarter where the Mavericks have said, oh, that's enough. And they've just kind of, they pushed the Raptors aside. Yeah, and the Raptors are trash, let's be honest. You know, they were always going to be trash. It's just a matter of whether the Mavericks had any steam left after what was a battle last night. It was. And it's tough, too. Like, that's what you always have to – you know, always. But, like, you factor that in, too. When you look at a team coming on to back-to-back, how did the game go the night before? Was it a double overtime game, overtime game? You know, they lose on a last-second shot, which that's what happened at Dallas last night. I mean, that was – you know, I was scrolling through Instagram today, and they had a – they had – it was like the – it was like over the last 10 years, like every – like the longest game-winning shots in the NBA over the last 10 years. And there's so many that you forget about. Dudes, there was one from like, remember Emmanuel Moutier? Emmanuel Moutier had yes. one of the most wild game-winning threes I've ever seen. He like dribbled through two defenders, lost the ball, fell down, threw it up sideways from half court, and won it for the Nuggets. And it was like, I totally forgot about that shot. They did have Dame, obviously, against the Thunder, which is one of my all-time favorites. And I'm sure even though it's a sore subject with him now, it probably was for you too. That was one of my favorite moments ever. Dame Dame gave me two of those. He gave me one against the Rockets. See you later. Go home. Mm -hmm. And then he gave me one against the Thunder. And the Thunder one I will remember for the rest of my life because I was in in Nashville for the NFL draft. And I was in my hotel room, sitting on my hotel bed, and had some work to do out on the streets of Broadway Street after that. And I just kept saying bye-bye to everyone. Just like Dame did. Bye bye. Bye. <laughs> bye. Is that like Yes, sir. Like as a Blazers, what is your biggest like memory that you have as a Blazers fan? Like, you know, there's like one or two moments that everybody has as a fan of a team that stands out for you. Would that be at least in the top three? Is that number one? That's number one. Yeah. That's number one. Okay. For absolute absolutely. And then number two, it's not a good memory, but it's a top memory. Up 15, fourth quarter, game seven against the Lakers. And we let that one slip away. We probably would have won a title. That one sticks out like a sore thumb. I think Kings fans probably feel the same way, the, you know, Peja Stojakovic era. Yep. Mm -hmm. Yep. Kind of, you know, you kind of watch that and go, hmm, I don't like to say things are scripted because that's stupid. But I do kind of look and go, did kind of feel like you really wanted the Lakers that year, didn't it? Yeah, no doubt. It did feel like that. Absolutely felt like that. Uh, Keegan Murray's got eight points early, 20 to 19. You got the Kings up on uh, the Nuggets right now. Let's see. Let's let's look at our show bet here. Five rebounds and two assists already for Nikola Jokic. Uh, DeMontis Sabonis, he's one of three, two points, a rebound and an assist. And then uh, Kevin Herter's got a couple of points there. So, yeah, it's more of a uh, – right now it's a, a Keegan Murray game with Malik Monk just checking in. So six, the, the the leader for sixth man of the year just checked in, so we can't even look at him and see what he's doing yet. But, yeah, it's all it's all Keegan Murray in a game that's a, a battle, like you said, the two Euro bigs. Yeah, and De'Aaron Fox didn't play. He got ruled out last second with a sore knee. So it's going to be the Keegan <sighs> Murray show 
And, you know, there's a probably, probably potential big game for Malik Monk because they brought in Davion Mitchell to start over De'Aaron Fox because uh, De'Aaron Fox, obviously, like I said, out with injury. And so they still bring Malik Monk off the bench. So they're going to need some scoring for him. And like I said, this is a game that Sacramento competes really well with Denver. We don't talk about Sacramento enough in terms of teams that match up well with them. But Sacramento certainly does. The last minute guys sitting out, though, is like I know we're always going to have that in the NBA, but God, that's brutal. It's brutal when that happens. Like, yeah, even normal. if a guy's questionable, you know, it's like 20 minutes before tip and you get that alert and you're like, okay, I'm screwed. You've already like locked in props or, you know, the line changes and you know something's coming and then there you go. So it, that's one of the worst. By the way, uh, Benedict Matherin again after that kind of slow start I talked about. Now he's four of seven from three, 16 points. So he started off one of six from the field, and he's completely turned that around. 96-86 Pacers over the Pelicans now. Uh, and you got Siakam still sitting on 16. Miles Turner's got 12. And then Tyrese Halliburton, shocking, uh, the end of the third quarter already has nine assists. So that's no, that's no different than anywhere else. So, yeah. Pelicans are a team that's got a lot of talent, but it just – just doesn't feel like they can put this thing together. But that's I think you and I are both on the same page. Trusting Zion is a it's a difficult thing to be. But like they're sitting there, they're you know, they're fi- the West is so jammed right now. Like I, I understand that this is not like a new conversation necessarily, right? Like for years we've talked about the NBA and the Western Conference, and it kind of felt like the East was starting to climb their way in there, make things a little bit more competitive between the two conferences. And we've just gotten to the point now where, again, you got Minnesota and Oklahoma City, Trista, at the very top of that thing. And then Denver, the reigning champions, who you and I both think still the best team in the NBA. They may not be playing like that in the regular season compared to what they're going to do when they turn up that knob just a little bit once you get to the postseason. But we've got two young teams that have taken that next step, and I would argue overachieved in Minnesota and Oklahoma City. And then you've got the Clippers who have a chance to be one of the best once we get to the playoffs. They're still even trying to figure things out. And that's top four. And then there's Phoenix down there at six. And I just look at this and go all the way down to 10 and go, the Lakers are sitting there. How are the, like, the Lakers might be a 10 seed if they're lucky. They lose their first uh, play-in game and they're out. And then you've got Golden State who's playing ridiculously good eight eight and two over their last 10 games and they're the nine seed at this point the west is as jammed as it's ever been yeah and what i think is interesting is if you look at the western conference standings is like we're like yeah timberwolves and thunder dead heat who's going to be the number one team in the west nuggets sitting there they're the champions they don't need these regular season wins clippers are on the rise if they can just stay healthy what can they be and the Suns. And it's like, we just, we just like skip right over the Pelicans. Like, they don't even exist. 35 and 24 sitting there in the five spot. Me, you, Scott, Ryan, every other NBA fan. They're like, we're not taking this team seriously. The moment that they went to Vegas, partied their asses off, and lost uh, in the play-in tournament to the Lakers, you knew... It was a wrap for them. This is not a team that I can take seriously in any meaningful way. And it's like they've got young talent, right? I feel like they're kind of in a spot. Like they were the team along with the Timberwolves over the last couple of years where we said, like, there's young talent. You just got to you gotta just get to that next level. Guys got to grow up. Guys got to mature a little bit. Minnesota's finally done that. It's taken forever, but they finally gotten to that point. You don't have anybody that kind of has grabbed this team and said, here's what the culture is going to be. And I mean a player, like, on the court. Zion's got to be that guy. 
or Brandon Ingram has to be that guy. Zion just wants to party. Zion wants to let everybody know he's going to go out and party. Brandon Ingram just kind of wants to smile and sit there and be like, yeah, yeah, we're going to probably do that. And CJ McCollum's a great vet, but like he's not really a vocal leader. He's not someone that's going to go and kind of establish what they need to do. And you look around and go, you got the talent, but you don't have the culture. You don't have the discipline. You don't have the maturity there. And in a loaded Western Conference, yeah, I'm going to skip right over the Pelicans because I look at them and say, I don't take you seriously right now. And I think Phoenix, with the the dogs they have on that team, Kevin Durant's going to make sure guys want to play, especially once we get down to the end of the regular season. You know you're going to get that from the Warriors, even if they don't have the physical ability to be the same team they were a few years ago. And the Lakers are obviously desperate. But, like, you, you just kind of look at the Pelicans and go, ah, fun. You kind of feel like it's – just the team that's going to go out there, and we love playing basketball for a little bit, and then that's it. That's it. Well, and on top of that, if you look at all those other teams, there's 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 looming questions for those franchise franchises, right? Like Timberwolves, are they going to pay Carl Anthony Towns, and you know Anthony Edwards's contract starts to set in. Rudy Gobert makes a lot of money. Jaden Daniels just uh, Jaden McDaniel's just got. Uh, extended. See, I almost did it. Jaden Daniels, Jaden McDaniels. Could they both yep. be in Minnesota? Yeah. So <laughs> it uh, won't be. So you, it won't you, be the last time that you do that. Just, we're all no going to do it. <laughs> so you've got them. That that franchise has questions, right? They need to win. That motivation matters for them. The Thunder, up and coming team. Shea wants to win MVP. Chet wants to win Rookie of the Year. Sam Presti wants to prove that his strategy paid off. The Nuggets want to prove that this wasn't a flash in the pan, right? They want to be able to go back-to-back. Jamal Murray still hasn't ever been an all-star. Nikola Jokic feels probably like he got snubbed for MVP last year. The Clippers, like, are we blowing this up? Did this experiment, getting all of these stars, trading Shea and all these picks, we have a new arena coming, we've got extensions to hand out, we better figure our stuff out right the F Mm -hmm. now. Sons, does this experiment work? Kevin Durant was rumored to maybe wanting out. Devin Booker, he's been rumored to be unhappy. You trade for Brad Beal for a box of Cheerios. Like, is he going to be healthy? New owner. Like, they're trying to get the All-Star game. Exciting stuff. Kings are on the rise. They want to prove that last year wasn't a fluke for them. Eight seed, Mavericks, they want to keep Luka happy. They want to prove to Luka that they can compete because they are afraid, terrified that he's going to ask out. Warriors, is this the end of the dynasty and the era that is Steph Curry, Klay Thompson, Draymond Green? Is the dynasty chapter coming to a close? And then the Lakers, LeBron in a contract year, what is going to happen with him? There is no looming question for the Pelicans. We know that doesn't matter what happens to this team. Everything's going to remain the same. They're not trading Zion. They're not trading Brandon Ingram. They have they're in absolute purgatory as a franchise where we don't care. They don't have motivation. They've showed us absolutely zero in terms of like the looming storylines of this franchise. And you can just watch like the best player on every team on the court. They don't always have to be a vocal leader, but do they lead by example? Do they play a certain way every single night where you know I'm getting this from Shea Gilgis Alexander every single night? You are. Anthony Edwards. I know what I'm getting from Anthony Edwards every single night. Sometimes he has bad shooting nights, but everybody does. But, like, I know he's going to go out there. You know what you're going to get from Kevin Durant every single night. I know what I'm going to get from Kawhi. He's going to be silent, but he's going to go out there and he's going to play hard every single night. The Nuggets, I mean, we don't have to worry about their culture. They've just won a title. Don't even have to even look at that. I, I just, I look at the Pelicans and see guys that 
You're right, they're comfortable. There's no pressure on them. There's already not a lot of expectations because this team in some ways has already, I mean, they've gotten to the point where the expectations were so low to be a playoff team and look at them as a fifth seed in the West. You go, all right, like fans are going to take that because they haven't had much there. They haven't had a team that's been a title contender. I understand there was a short stretch, what, last season where they were the top team in the Western Conference. It, but like that, it, again, it's just, that's a small little area where that was actually the case. But you just, you, it's the, it's why I talk about the eye test. Like sometimes I, I don't, there's all the numbers and stats and metrics and all the things in the world that we can throw out there and make whatever argument we want. Sometimes you just got to watch body language. How do players interact? How were they post game after a loss? If they look like a team that's okay after they've lost, then you know you've got a problem there. And you don't see that from a lot of these other teams in the Western Conference. But the Pelicans can at least kind of stay in that NBA purgatory you talk about long enough because they're talented enough to at least stay right there in the middle. And I think that's what makes a team like that even more frustrating because you know, like, there's a higher upside if they could just get their heads in there and grow the hell up a little bit. Yeah, I mean, you would hope that they, these guys would care at all. But you look at this roster, I was looking at it when I was looking at this this box score, and it's just a little bit of everything. Zion's doing okay. Like, he's got... 18, 2 and 4. Okay. Like Brandon Ingram, 23, 5 and 4. Who's the alpha on this team? There is not one. It's not CJ McCollum. Mm -hmm. Zion, it's not. We know that. We know it's not Brandon Ingram. Those two together are like the that duo in the classroom that always messes the the curriculum up for everyone else because they're in the back just kikiing <laughs> and you don't know what they're laughing about, but everyone's distracted. They are an absolute culture diminishing duo. Jonas Valanciunas is supposed to be the big man. He's got zero tonight. When when you've just got a rookie that's like your third or fourth scorer on the team in Jordan Hawkins, you got a really you got a real problem. You can't even put up over 120 points against the Pacers who have one of the worst defenses in the league. This is just not a team that we can take seriously at all. I just thought it was so funny when we when you were talking about the standings and we just like aggressively skipped over them. Oh yeah, yeah. Because like I don't, I, I mean, I, now I will I will say I did mention them at the beginning, so that's why I looked at some other teams. But I skipped over them mainly because I, again, I don't, I don't take them seriously there. Like the Suns to me, and again, I know like really when you look at Phoenix, who's sitting in the sixth spot right now in the Western Conference, like if that team actually stays healthy once you get to the playoffs, there's way more confidence in what they can do than what the Pelicans can do, even though right now. You look at the Pelicans and go, well, they got a better record than the Suns. Well, so what? It's really just about health with Phoenix. You know, uh, Kevin Durant and, and really Devin Booker's kind of become the alpha in Phoenix anyway. And that's another one. Like, yes. it's not I, – I, I shouldn't have even glossed over him because I mentioned Durant is like an alpha that you know what you're going to get every single night on the court. But also Devin Booker, as clutch as anybody is in the NBA, that's a guy that has that dog in him too. No, yeah, I, Devin Booker, those guys can put up buckets and give you some potent offense when things get to be a critical moment, not a regular season situation, right? So for me, the Suns are one of the most dangerous teams in the West. Yeah, and, and you know, you continue to watch this team and you go, oh, yeah, like I watch them and realize they got a lot going on for them still. Just stay healthy. It's bet MGM tonight. Let the conversation continue with BetMGM Tonight on the BetQL Network, presented by BetMGM. Now, speaking of the West now, the Mavs up 127-116 on the Raptors. 
Kyrie and Luka, I mean, they're going to be able to score. I don't know what that's going to translate once we get to the playoffs. 29 for Kyrie Irving, 28 for Luka. He's got nine rebounds and 14 assists. Three minutes to go. It's 129-116 now. Uh, Mavs up over the Raptors. Dallas is a team like, Trista, I watch him and I, I like, y you've got two stars there. But it just, it, it just, sometimes it feels like, especially last night, it's those two and everybody else standing around. And it's going to be really tough for them to get through legit teams like the Denver Nuggets. Yeah, Maxi Kleba, he just came back from injury. He's been much better. Um, and you can yeah, use him yes. kind of all over the floor. You can use him as a small ball five. You can play him as a three. You can play him as a four. Um, Dante Exum just came back from injury as well. I know he's a name that had a lot of buzz when he was an AAU player, but he's been really good. He was supposed to be a starter before they made all those trades to get P.J. Washington and Daniel Gafford. Um, but, yeah, I think P.J. Washington is going to be the most impactful player uh, on this Mavs team outside of, of Luka and Kyrie. I really do. You got Luka with 30, Kyrie with, with 29. But P.J. Washington coming hot out of the gates with 18, 6, and 1 with three blocks. Just disgusting. They saved him from a life of horror and dread in, in the Charlotte Hornet system. Yeah, he had 13 points in the first quarter, too. It was basically the P.J. Washington show. Kyrie Irving just kind of sat back and was quiet. He's two of six from three. That streak of uh, going over on his three-point prop looks like it's coming to an end, barring a miracle uh, at this point. There was a two-and-a-half, but it was heavily juiced, I think, to like somewhere like minus 180 in some places, the over. Uh, and then it went up to three-and-a-half. I took the three-and-a-half because I wanted to take the plus money. And, well, he's been hitting a bunch of, you know, a bunch of threes, and now it's not happening anymore. So it just kind of is what it is. But, yeah, Dallas is, you know, you, you talk about a team in NBA purgatory. You know, honestly – you kind of feel that way a little bit about Dallas because, like, what else can they do at this point? If 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 I like if I had to name maybe the the next couple of stars that you think are going to ask out, Luca would be at the top of my list. I would not be surprised if in a year, maybe even this offseason, we start to hear Luca's not happy because you know what? It starts with a little bit of a rumble. It's a little whisper. It's so I'm hearing Luca's not that happy, and then teams hear it and their ears perk up and they start making calls quietly and they're like. Hey, so is uh, is Luca available? And of course, the Mavs are going to laugh and hang up and say absolutely not. But then it starts to get louder and louder and louder. And we're going to be at that point soon if Dallas can't be more than just a play-in team again this year. Yeah, well, and the thing that people should really be worried about is not just Dallas being an eight seed. You should worry about Dallas doing what Dallas did last year, which was punting on the season. They punted mm -hmm. on the season. They kept Luca out. He was absolutely furious so that they could go get Derek Lively because the Knicks own their pick top 10 protected. So if they get into the playoffs, that pick is going to the Knicks. If they fall out of the play-in picture, the pick belongs to them. So if they're, a, if they're an eight seed, nine seed, somewhere around, I don't know, middle of March, early April, and then they decide they're going to do the same shenanigans that they did last year and just fall out of the playoffs altogether after what they did in the in the trade the trade deadline oh yeah i mean it's that's that's not good that's really not good at all yeah and i mean they're you're still sitting in that situation here where you they're going to owe another right they still owe another pick to the they still owe I think when does it turn into first a round second round pick to pick? the Knicks so, okay. yeah but it it'll eventually turn into a okay so Dallas's first round pick go, it's uh, top 10 protected in 2024 
and in 2025. If Dallas doesn't convey that first-round pick by 2025, Dallas then has to give their 2025 second-round pick to the Knicks. You know they'd love to stretch that thing out until they can turn it into a second-round pick. Thing is, though, if there's any draft to not tank, this is the draft to not tank. The NFL is loaded. The NBA draft may have maybe deeper in terms of the back-end talent you could get in the first round of the NBA draft this year, but like, there's no big guy that you want to tank for this time around. No. I mean, this is a draft where allow the Knicks to have your first-round pick. This draft stinks. <laughs> so you might as well just give it up because next year is going to be better. And, I mean, at, at any point you're going to want to have a first round of your own and not give them away. But if there's any year that's considered widely one of the worst drafts in recent memory, it's this one. It's, I, I look, I mean, I understand the, the philosophy of like when you're at the point where you're sitting there and you like, if you don't, you have to like fully commit to these types of things, right? If you're a team that's going to tank, you got to fully commit to tanking. Like, it can't be, okay, late in the season, we're going to pull off now and have the 10th pick in the draft. You know the teams that do that for years, Trista? That's the Wizards. Where did that get the Wizards? Nowhere. No. I mean, they're in habitual purgatory. That's just what it's going to be all the time. They have the same amount of wins as the Detroit Pistons. And you think about the Detroit Pistons as one of the worst teams in franchise history and league history given how long their losing streak was. And then you look at it and you're like, well, actually, the Wizards, the Wizards have just been, like, bad all the way around. They they lose, like, eight times in a row. They, they win, like, every two, three weeks. At least now, though, it's a full tank, right? Like, at least now they're yeah. not sitting there trying to be where the Mavs are. They've just said, no, nah, we're going to completely just tear this thing down and go. But it took a long, long time to get to that point. You lose a lot of fans when you do that, too. So that... That kind of makes the whole thing worse. By the way, your guy Keegan Murray now, 15 points. We got six and a half minutes to go in the second quarter. Kings up 10 on the Nuggets. After that, it's it's Keegan Murray, and then nobody else has more than – oh, no, Malik Monk, ha, Malik Monk has nine off the bench. So we talk about guys, six man of the year, 11 minutes, Pretty four good. of eight, nine points, four rebounds, three assists from Malik Monk right now. Yeah, that's, that's absolutely bonkers. He's – I mean, what you're seeing from Keegan Murray is really impressive, though. Malik Monk it has the case for sixth man of the year, but there's, like, a little case for Keegan Murray most improved. There's a little case. I'm not saying he's going to win mm-hmm. it. I'm not saying I would vote for him. But he's been playing really well, really, really well. You know, it's funny. I, for one, I loved Keegan Murray coming out of college. I thought that was a great pick for them. I wanted to see right now, Keegan Murray's not even – there's not even any odds right now up for Keegan Murray over at BetMGM, which is, I think there should at least be something on the board for him. I mean, Tyrese yeah. Maxey's the massive favorite at minus 350, but, I mean, listen, Kobe White's had a great year, too, at plus 550. I This is what bothers me, and I'm glad you brought this up about most improved. We don't give enough actually improved players enough credit no. in that award, in that situation. Tyrese Maxey already had his jump. That was last year. You could argue John Morant when he won it. It should have been the year before if that was the case. Kobe White deserves it more this year. Jalen Williams is 12-1. to 1. He's having a great season in Oklahoma City right now. I mean, hell, even Jonathan Kaminga right now. Alperin Sengun. Alperin Sengun is like baby Nikola Jokic right now. And he, like, yes. we're just looking at Tyrese Maxey as this heavy, heavy favorite. And it's like... He was doing this last year already. Yeah. I I don't get it. You're seeing that. You saw that with John Morant when he won it, too. John Morant was 
really should have been in the MVP conversation, and he won most improved when it was, should, should have really been Desmond Bain to win it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, John Moran, at that point, you felt like you're going from fringe all-star to all-star. Like, that that was the jump that we had. And I understand, like, that's where Maxie is. I don't. I just don't think that that should there's, – there's, you're not recognizing guys that have actually taken that really big jump. It's almost like you're rewarding a guy that became, like, more of a star versus a fringe star versus a guy that had – you know, a Kobe White was – I mean, they were talking about – I mean, we, we know this. I mean, Ryan talked about Kobe White nonstop, but how he was a bum. Get rid of him. Waste the draft pick. And all of a sudden, the guy's averaging almost 20 points a game. That, to me, is most improved. If I had a vote, I'd be voting for Kobe White over Tyrese Maxey. I'd even look at Keegan Murray as somebody that deserves at least a little bit more than that. It's just like, to me, Tyrese Maxey shouldn't even be involved in this award. But, yeah, you're right. Like, that's it's probably where it's going to be. Keegan Murray's going to get no... No love for that whatsoever. But, I mean, again, guy's got 15 points in 16 minutes. He's three of six from three, and the Kings are up three right now on the Nuggets. You know what? On the other side, too, it's Jamal Murray and nobody else even on Denver. I mean, you got Denver's the Denver's shooting 47% from the field, but Contavious Caldwell-Pope's just only got two points. Jokic has four. Aaron Gordon's got seven. Michael Porter Jr. It's really all been Jamal Murray on one side and Keegan Murray on the other side for those teams. Bless you. I saw it. Thank you for muting. Good job. That was, Thank you. That was perfect timing. That was like, that if was We could only have our well own little done. mute button. <laughs> I, know. I know. I was like, let, well, me, let me mute this now. I saw it. I was like, oh, did she mute and she's going to sneeze? It's going to be, that's going to be impressive. You nailed it. Nailed it. Thank you. But yeah, it's the Murray show on both sides in that game right now. But this is this looks like it may end up being a game that comes down to the last couple of minutes between the Kings and uh, Nuggets. Yeah, and you're getting you got the Kings before the De'Aaron Fox injury rule out was plus seven oh, and a half. Yeah. I didn't see what it yeah. moved to, but I would imagine it moved another couple of points. You probably would have gotten Sacramento plus eight and a half, plus nine. That was just that was just easy money. There was nothing more predictable than Sacramento competing with Denver in Denver after getting waxed to the Heat without Jimmy Butler. It's just, yep. that's just yep. that, yep. if you know the Kings, you know that this is what the Kings do. This is it's the it's the it's the Nuggets, it's the Warriors. The Kings love to get up against the Warriors too. Like that's one of those teams where it's just it's like a statement game for them. Uh, once a day, you can play the BetMGM free to play BetMGM fast break for a chance to win daily prizes. Plays a point guard and choose to pass to Kevin Garnett. You can pass to Jalen Rose. You can take it yourself for a dunk. Those are the choices. And of course, if you score, you get a prize. It's right at the top of the promotions page. It's on the app. It's on the website. It's right there for you. And how about those New Orleans Pelicans, Trista? They're not dead yet. They're down four with two minutes to go to the Indiana Pacers. They heard us talking. Brandon Ingram's got 30. Zion Williamson's got 23. And C.J. McCollum's got 21. And this is when you watch them and you say, you got the firepower. You got the talent that's there. They can bring themselves back in games, especially against the Pacers team. They can't play any defense whatsoever. If they could just harness this, harness this for like an entire season, they could be where the Minnesota Timberwolves are right now. Just try, Pelicans. Try. (laughs) <laughs> it's just like, uh, just like don't go out and drink. You know what? Well, listen, you can't tell NBA players to not go out. I'm a done, lot of these guys, you know what I mean? Like, we like just let's keep it in, let's keep it in the guardrails, okay? Let's just not get absolutely trashed and then not being able to show up to work the next day. I'll tell you what, I, I there there are stories of guys 
in some of these older generations too and what they would do is even in the NFL the night before the amount of NFL players that have played games hungover or still drunk from the night before I that is a big big number from some of the stories that I've heard it just you know, I get when you know when you're 23 24 I guess it's a lot easier I think of it now and I'm like good god not a chance it's bet MGM the night